You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You've tuned in to the 49ers Rush Podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. All right, thanks for tuning in to the 49ers Rush Podcast. Great to be with you guys again. Got an awesome episode today. Today we're going to continue trekking through the draft. Today we're going to be covering Joe Williams, running back out of Utah, that the 49ers selected with the fourth round pick. Actually, we traded up for him, and we'll get into those trade details later. But before we do that, just want to say thanks for joining us so far. Uh, this is our sixth installment, and we'll keep working through the draft. And for those of you that haven't already, go ahead and look us up on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, just uh, 49ers Rush Podcast, and hit that subscribe button. If you get a chance to put in a review, that's very helpful as well. Now, a little bit about myself. I am a ex-football coach from Dallas area in Texas and just absolutely love film and decided the coaching route wasn't the way for me and decided to jump into the podcast and writing world. Um, I'm also a contributor over at cover32.com slash 49ers, so you can check out a lot of my articles there. Or you can follow me on Twitter, JL underscore Chapman. Again, that's JL underscore C-H-A-P-M-A-N. And the whole idea of this podcast is to create a more informed 49ers fan through film and breaking down things, just going deeper. That's kind of what we're about here. So let's begin with our conversation on Joe Williams. Now, we're going to go through a little bit of the background, how the 49ers acquired him, which is a crazy story in and of itself. And if there's anything that's come up with this new front office with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, is whatever's been normal for NFL standards are literally chunked out of the window. And... Their accessibility to the media has just jumped up tenfold from what we had with Trent Balking, which was just terrible in and of itself. But, you know, allowing Peter King of MMQB to step into the draft room and basically spend 24 hours leading up to the draft with our new general manager, John Lynch. And we just have so much insight and information out there now. So enjoy it. Uh, obviously, it's not going to be like this every year. I wish that it would be. But, you know, we found out a lot of crazy stuff about how the process works in the 49ers war room. And so we're going to be going over the background, how we got them. Then we'll jump over to the film breakdown side. And we'll conclude with kind of where Joe Williams fits scheme-wise and what is uh, the future with the 49ers looks like. Because there's so much out there right now on him. If, you, if you're into fantasy football, almost every kind of fantasy football writer or analyst, they're all talking about, man, can Joe Williams take Carlos Hyde? And if so, how long will it take before it happens? And we'll get into that and what that looks like and look into Kyle Shanahan's 
basically passed and how he's divvied up the role between running backs. Um, so that's kind of what we're looking at today. So let's let's jump in and let's go over how we got this guy because man, he's he's a polarizing figure. You either love him or you hate him. And in the 49ers front office, we had both those. Kyle Shanahan absolutely was adored with this guy and basically begged John Lynch, the general manager, to get him. And in which case, John Lynch didn't even have him on his board. And so he was completely removed from his board and did not want him at all. And at the end of the second round, after the third round concluded, head coach Kyle Shanahan said, I'm telling you right now, if we don't get him, Joe Williams, I'll be sick. He said that he was thinking about Joe Williams the entire night leading up into the third day of the draft. And so so let's talk about this because... As the draft concluded on the second night, third round's over. We've got our, you know, four picks already taken care of, which is awesome. And we're going into the next day. And Lynch did not even have this guy on his draft board. We also saw the six traits to be in a 49er, which is like a really cool little card and thing that John Lynch put out there about what it means to be a 49er. We're going to talk about those six traits and how pretty much every one of them does not meet the requirements of Joe Williams. This hopefully we will go through the transformation from where uh, John Lynch started and where he ended with Joe Williams. Number one, what it means to be a 49er. Football passion. Do they love it? Well, Joe Williams retired from football in college, so that's going to be a huge X there. Now, we'll get into the details for why that took place, but that is a fact. He actually retired from the game of football and walked away from it. Number two requirement, contagious competitiveness. Now, on film, this shows out. This guy is a baller, and we'll get into that. But again, the idea of walking away from your team, that's going to be a big X there too. Number three, dependability, protect the team. Absolutely not. Does not meet those requirements. Mental toughness, does not. And we'll get into why this was the case and why John Lynch was able to look past this. Number five, football IQ. If you were judging off of his 2015 film, you would have a gigantic X mark. Fumbles. He fumbled so much in 2015, and he'd run routes and run out of bounds short of the sticks. Just lots of mental errors. But whenever you put on last year's tape after the retirement, these seem to almost disappear. So this could be a check mark, and probably the only one of the six traits that actually he does meet the criteria on. But in 2015, he would not. And the last one for traits to be a 49er is accountability to other players and to themselves, which again, First glance, he misses out on five of these six criteria. Now let's get into what actually happened, okay? Funny thing about Joe Williams is he's been everywhere. Military Academy kid, goes to UConn to play football there, gets kicked off the team because he stole his teammate's credit card, which is, there's a whole bunch of rumors about what actually happened and what didn't actually happen, whatever. But regardless, he gets kicked off the team, jumps over to, a uh, smaller school to play for a little bit, then goes to Utah. And at Utah, they had a lot, a lot of depth. And he played for Kyle Whittingham, you know, used to coach for Notre Dame. And he didn't get a lot of carries uh, in 2015. And then what happens is he jumps out the last three games and he takes that starting job. And so we're going into 2016, and the expectation is this guy's going to be the key starter. Well, that doesn't happen. After a couple fumbles and, again, running out of the uh, bounds kind of early before the sticks, things like that, fumbles again and loses his job to a freshman running back, and this is where things go downhill. He basically, things are bad, and then all of a sudden, he decides 
I've got to leave. I've got to retire, Coach. There's a lot of stuff going on. And what we found out was basically his sister passed away whenever he was 13, and he was kind of blaming himself for that. He fell asleep the night that she died, and he never was able to get past that. And so he decided that he had to step away from football in order to deal with these things that were going on inside because if he didn't get them dealt with, who knows what would have happened. Um, it just was not a healthy situation. So he stepped away, says that he met with a psychiatrist, went through some therapy, basically got his life in order. And it was right about this time, after spending time on himself, Kyle Winningham, Utah head coach, calls him and says, Hey, bud, we've got a lot of injuries. We need you back with our family. We need you back on our team. And Joe Williams, he came back after having a month off from football. You know, you wouldn't expect to happen what had happened, but Joe Williams came on record and said, I'm doing all of this for my sister. I'm running for my sister. I am playing for my sister. All of my dedication is for her. And so he comes back, and in his last seven games, he just goes bananas. First game back, 179 yards rushing versus Oregon State. Next game, Broke a Rose Bowl record against UCLA and rushed for 332 yards and four touchdowns, which if you want to know the upside of Joe Williams, go watch the film. Go watch the game film. Him against UCLA. It seems like it's a highlight reel film, but it's game film. Every single touch that guy gets is just almost to the house. Uh, Next game, 172 yards versus Washington. Fourth game back, 181 versus Arizona State. Fifth game, 149 yards versus Oregon. Um, the only game out of these seven was 97 uh, that didn't reach 100 yards, 97 yards versus Colorado, and that's a stingy defense. And then the bowl game, 220 yards versus Indiana, and if you watch that game, man, he willed his team to victory. It's a back and forth, just great bowl game. And he fumbled in the fourth quarter whenever his team was up, trying to fight for extra yards, and... Indiana gets it, goes back, kicks a field goal. They're up by one with two minutes left. And you watch that final drive. I put some clips on my Twitter feed that show you just breaking three to four tackles per run. And it might just be 10 to 15 yards. But he willed his his entire team all the way down uh, close to the goal line and kicked the game-winning field goal. I mean, he won that game for them. If you want to see how dependable this guy is, you just got to go back and watch that. And now this is this is the thing. And so we we see what happens whenever he came back. And and this is the reason why a lot of teams were scared of Joe Williams because they didn't understand why he stepped away. If you look at it just from afar and you see, oh, well, he retired and quit on his team, that makes perfect sense. And that's kind of where John Lynch was. Now, Kyle Shanahan had been doing a lot of homework, and he was getting the running backs coach basically in there and it says the running backs coach basically became his surrogate uncle which is just beautiful and that's what this is about the Kyle Shanahan was going after this kid learning everything that he could and Lynch was a little bit behind and so Lynch said you know what I gotta do I gotta call I gotta call and talk to this guy because he's not even on my board and he didn't even cut he didn't cut any (laughs) words um he goes in and tells him, he calls Joe Williams up on the phone, this is before the draft, and says, I'm going to be honest with you, kid, I'm, I'm done with you. I, I, I'm, I, you're not even on my board. Tell me what happened. And they go into this long conversation, and the thing that Lynch took away from it is that Joe Williams didn't make any, he didn't make any excuses. He went and said, look, here's the situation. This happened with my sister, I blame myself, 
and it took a toll on me, and it's been something that's bothering me my whole life, and I've dealt with it, and now that's my purpose. And so I'm back. So the idea of saying that he really quit on his football team, man, that's a rough statement to make. And with all the conversations with the running back coach, Bobby Turner, for the 49ers, like he's got this support system set up now. And so this is where it gets awesome because John Lynch gets off of the phone after speaking with Joe Williams and says, screw it, I'm going to jump up and get this guy. You talk about a complete 180. And if you want to look into what the 49ers front office has now, you have a general manager that has a game plan, but he's not setting stone on that game plan. He's going to listen to his head coach's wants and needs and figure out a way. And the 49ers offense has been god-awful for a while now. And for the first three picks of our draft, we go defense. We don't really have a long-term answer at quarterback. We don't really have long-term studs at receiver. We've got some holes in the O-line and all these things. Shanahan gets what they are doing. They're there on six-year contracts. They're not trying to win right now. They're trying to build something for the future. And so whenever Kyle Shanahan does speak up, it's awesome to have a GM that listens in that relationship. We're we're starting to see the benefits of that. So again, John Lynch comes out and says, screw it. I'm going to jump up and get this guy. And they do. They trade. Let's go over the trade details now. We traded a fourth-round pick, number 143 overall, and a fifth-round pick, number 161 overall. And we jumped up 22 spots in the fourth round to grab this guy. Now, if you want to look at the old Jimmy Johnson trade chart, um, basically the picks that we gave up were worth 34 points and 26 points. So if you add those together, 60 points. Now, what we traded up to, number 121, was worth 52. So we were on the short end of this deal. We lost out eight points, which is equivalent to like one of the last six rounders. So not that big of a deal as far as value goes, um, but we did overpay. And, and this is a testament to how much John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan really wanted this guy. And so we jump up and we draft Joe Williams, number 121 overall. Now... To put this into perspective, these are the running backs that are still on the board at this point. Jamal Williams went to Green Bay. Wayne Gallman went to the Giants. Marlon Mack, basically the Frank Gore successor, if if he ever does retire. Love Frank the Tank, man. Um, And Jerry McNichols. These are four studs that are probably going to be starters in the next two years. We drafted Joe Williams ahead of them. And hopefully this will turn into another... Late round running back Shanahan Jim going back to his father, uh, drafting Alfred Morris in the sixth round, Mike Anderson in the sixth round, Terrell Davis in the sixth round, and Kyle already has a little bit of a history with this. Um, one, he was he was on the coaching staff in Houston whenever they brought on Arian Foster as an undrafted free agent, one of the greatest undrafted free agent running backs of all time. He was the one of the guys that brought him in. Now he wasn't there whenever he had all the success, but he saw the talent brought him in. Also, you saw what he did with Steve Slayton there, turned him into a thousand yard running back. And whenever he left Slayton basically fell out of the NFL when he was with Atlanta, Tevin Coleman in the third round, we're seeing what he's doing and how dynamic he is. Also, Alfred Morris, he was there coaching with his father whenever they got Alfred Morris as well. So there's a huge history already with the Shanahan's late-round running backs. Um, so let's see. Hopefully that will continue here with Joe Williams. Now let's jump forward now. Let's talk about player evaluation and scheme fit. So real quick, I had Joe Williams, who's 5'11", 210 pounds, He's fast, and it shows on film. He came away with a 4.41 40-yard dash, and, man, I 
if he had three more chances, I mean, he's a borderline 4-3 guy. I don't even like calling him 4-4 because, you know, there's running backs that run like 4-4-9, 4-4-8. He's a tier ahead of them. He has something that shows up on film, and you can see it with the safeties and the constantly miss angles whenever he's in the open field. This guy, he, he's as close to a 4-3 guy as you're going to get. I had him ranked as the 10th uh, running back in the draft, and I had a fourth-round grade on him, uh, number 94 overall, which is actually pretty close. So in the NFL draft, he was the 11th running back taken, again in the fourth round, but number 121 overall. So he dropped about 27 spots lower than where I had him, so it seems like my views and the 49ers' views were somewhat consistent with that. So let's go through some of my film analysis and kind of what I saw with him. Now, Utah's running game was pretty stout. They they had four linemen taken in the draft, so he's running behind some studs. And I would say it'd be easy to say a lot of his, his success was because of the holes that were given to him, which he had great running lanes to run through. But Joe Williams makes his money in the open field, and, and we'll keep talking about that. Now, their offensive style was a shotgun slash pistol setup. And so he didn't play with a fullback. That's not something that he's used to. Um, hopefully having juice in front of him. Man, I'm so excited about this and opening up holes for him. He'll have a better chance at that. But he hasn't played in a traditional under center role, which he'll have to get used to. But that's not too hard of a jump for most running backs. It'd be different if he was more of a Leonard Fournette, Adrian Peterson power back. But that's not who he is. He's a speed guy. So... He hits the hole with the purpose. If you were to ask me, what's the one thing that sets Joe Williams apart from other running backs? It's the way in which he hits the hole. That dude is shot out of a cannon, and if there's not a hole there, you know he'll make a little move, but he never goes backwards. He's not the shifty kind of running back that's dancing in the backfield. He does not do that. He is always moving forward, and if there's contact, he's falling forward. Um, in the eight full games and a lot of highlights and different drives tapes I've seen from him, I saw one tackle for loss, and it definitely wasn't his fault. He was met. This was one time in the bowl game, final game, I saw a tackle for loss, and it was not his fault. He was met by two defenders as he got the ball. He couldn't have done anything. Now, what's even more promising about that is two plays later, he punches it into the end zone. So it's almost like he got pissed off, he finally lost yards, and he went and scored a touchdown. And so as he hits the hole, I mean, it's it's nuts. And if he gets past that second, that very first kind of break, the linebackers and D-line, that's where he's making his money because he can set up those secondary guys with bad angles with his speed. And, man, he has tremendous potential downfield. The amount of breaking ta- the amount of broken tackles that this guy has at the secondary level is just phenomenal. He does not stop at the point of contact, always churning his knees and knees up. He runs with a purpose. Now, his jump cut is very, very fun to watch. They run kind of a counter scheme where they would pull the backside guard to set up uh, his running lane. So we take a false step to the right, get the ball, and bring it back to the left. And if the hole was covered, you would see him plant, do a quick jump cut, and hit that backside A-gap. And so he he's going to the left outside, plants, cuts back, and hits that seam. And whenever he hits it, man, he is gone. Um, again, his hips, great hip movement, but he uses his hips not to change direction. He uses his hips to stall the defender in the open field. So a lot less Barry Sanders jumping back and forth and covering a lot of ground laterally. laterally a lot more kind of Gil Sayers twitch to make the cornerback or the safety stop 
and keep going the direction he's going. And so lots of positive yards. You're not going to see this guy run a lot side to side. That's just not who he is. He is, I, I'm going straight, and I'm going to make you think I'm going to the side, but I'm staying straight, and I'm willing to run through you. Very instinctual runner, uh, knows how to hesitate or blow the doors off. It, it, this is, if you go back to the six traits that John Lynch had for being a 49er, one of them is football IQ. And I'm not saying this guy's going to pass a lot of tests on football knowledge. I'm saying he is an instinctual runner that doesn't have to think about what he's going to do. He just does it. Um, he just is able to create what he wants based off of what he sees. His main thing that he does is jump cuts to get missed tackles and to set up the running lanes. But you'll see him spin. You'll see him high knee. You'll see him do all these kind of weird balance, churning his legs and just keep going. He had a huge problem with fumbles his first year, and you can see him correct this. So this is an attribute and positive to the coaching staff at Utah because when he goes through the hole, he's got both hands on Frank Gore style bursting through the hole. Now the fumbles that did come in 2016 were all at the second level when he's fighting for those second the second yards. And that second attempt to fight through the defender, you'll see somebody come behind him and punch it out, so on and so forth. And so hopefully that's something that we can fix. Um, but he's not fumbling at the point of attack. It's always whenever he's trying to get those second chance yards. And again, that's why he lost his job. Now as a receiver, you'll see a couple highlight reel catches where he's kind of on a wheel route, wheel route or an option route up the seam. He'll go get the ball. Like He's got hands. He can catch. But you'll see also swing right out to the side where nobody's on him. He'll take his eyes off and look for that defender and drop an easy pass on like a third and two. So this is something that's going to be interesting because if they don't get this fixed, you can't really use this guy to his full potential if he can't get on the field because he's dropping critical passes, easy passes, based on concentration. And his pass protection is a huge area of weakness. Early in the season, you can see him trying to cut block the rushing linebacker over and over and over and over again. You can't do that in the NFL. If you cut those guys, they'll just... Clay Matthews is going to jump over you and get to the quarterback. And so you've got to step up and body up. He tried to do this a little bit the last two games of the 2016 season. But again, he's not eating up the grass. And so this is a term that's saying if you stay at quarterback depth and try to block, you're causing a problem because you're right in the quarterback's face. So what you have to do is you have to eat up space. You have to get up and make contact with the rushing linebacker at the line of scrimmage. That way the quarterback has those three to four yards to step up into his throw. And he does not do this. He kind of waits and catches and is just a get-in-the-way type of a guy when it comes to pass pro. And throughout the NFL, they'll all tell you, if you want to be a rookie and you want to be a young running back and make the squad and play, you've got to handle pass protection, a blitz package pickup, things like that. I'm not sure where he's going to fit on this. Let's go to this part. Let's talk about scheme fit and kind of who this guy is and what it's going to look like. Everybody's talking about, again, I mentioned this earlier, when is Joe Williams going to take Carlos Hyde's job? I don't think it's going to happen, um, and I don't think it needs to happen. Shanahan, everywhere he has gone, he has used two backs. Um, if you look at last year with the Falcons, with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, they had a 58 to 33 percentage breakdown for snaps for those guys. Now, that seems like a big break, but it's not as big as it should be because Coleman missed three games with an injury. So if you look at the games where they both were healthy, it's like a 50-40 split. And I think that's what we're going to be looking at here with Carlos Hyde getting the majority and then Joe Williams stepping in and that Tevin Coleman kind of explosive role because that's who this guy is. You get him the ball in space. 
you create those schemes and you allow this kid to just make plays. And so if he can handle his pass protection, I could see his snap count going up dramatically. But if he steps out early and drops a couple passes or gets uh, Brian Hoyer hit unnecessarily, you're going to leave. Instead of him going in on those third down plays, you're going to start sending in Kyle Juszczyk because that dude, pass pro number one, pass catching number one. I mean, he's a fullback and he's not explosive, but you cannot have your quarterback get hurt in this league. So we'll see how that goes. Again, one thing that Lynch has come out to say, we are going to surround this kid with support. And we already have Coach Bobby Turner, our running backs coach, basically being his surrogate uncle. And so I am so excited to have this guy on board as a 49er, and I can't wait to see what he's going to do. Now the upside, let's say he goes off, Carlos Hyde's in a contract year. If Joe Williams proves that he could handle the majority of those carries we're going to see Carlos side and them let them let him walk and bring in another late round running back next year um that's just it's a possibility so the high end is joe williams could be our running back next year our running back one this year he's going to be playing that kind of rb2 role which there's still a lot of work for that in our offense but sky's the limit for this kid and if he can keep everything in check and focus on football and if this Coaching staff can continue to support him and make sure that he's taking care of himself off the field. Sky's the limit. Well, thank you so much for listening to the 49ers Rush Podcast. Again, give us a follow on Twitter, JL underscore Chapman. You got any questions for the show, uh, leave those there. We'll make sure to implement those on here. And we'll catch you next time as we keep moving through this draft. So thanks again for listening to the 49ers Rush Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.